0: We are Hope Church, Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. So let's read the passage. It will appear on the screen as well as in your your notes. And uh, it's Mark chapter 6. We're going to go from verse 6, or the second part of verse 6, verse 30 all right so here, here we go then jesus went around teaching from village to village calling the 12 to him he began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over impure spirits these were his instructions take nothing for the journey except a staff no bread no bag no money in your belts wear sandals but not shirt. you can have one shirt but not an extra shirt who whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying... John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. So we heard about John the Baptist right back in the beginning of Mark chapter 1, and we've not heard anything about him, and now Mark's telling us, hey, this is what happened. Um, so he got bound in prison, and he did this because Herodias, because of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, whom he had married. So he married his sister-in-law. For John had been saying to Herod, "It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife." So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to. Why? Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod for his dinner guests. So just a note, that is Herod's sister-in-law's daughter. So his kind of niece, is dancer for him seductively. He enjoys it. And the king then says to the girl, this is Herod, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, hey, what shall I ask for? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request and she said, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist. And she added, on a platter. The king was greatly distressed because of his oaths, and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent out an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, went, beheaded John in prison and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they'd done and taught. (laughs) Ta-da! <laughs> what a random passage, eh? And um, if you are a guest here today, can I welcome you to Hope Church? We, uh, <laughs> we love the Bible, and so we, we preach through it, and we re- we're going through the whole of John's, uh, Mark's Gospel, his name is John Mark, and we're going through the whole of Mark's Gospel, which means that we are covering every passage, and it might seem like complete randomness, but I believe that God would want to speak to us today through it, and we in our passage, at first it does seem like two completely random stories. Uh, in fact, it's really one story about Jesus sending out the disciples two by two to go and share the good news of him. He's been talking about that for the last few chapters and uh, he's been uh, showing them how it's been done. He's gone out and done it. He's been telling them to be with him and to follow him. And, then, and now this is the first missionary journey and he sends them out. He goes two by two and, this is, and he gives them clear instructions. This is what to do. This is how to handle it. And at the very end, uh, verse 30, they come back and it sounds like they've been successful and they give a report. And this kind of story, where the disciples go out, is sandwiched between this this event where Mark decides to tell us about how John the Baptist died. Um, Now Mark is the shortest gospel of all the four gospels that tell us about Jesus, and yet... Mark decides to take the longest time than any of the others to tell us about John the Baptist's death. And he just decides to put it in the midst of this disciples going out to tell people about Jesus' story. There is a link. And that's what I've been trying to figure out during this week. And hopefully I can share some of that with you this morning. It's not random. Mark is trying to give us a point. He's trying to tell us what does does success look like? What does it mean to be a Christian, to love him and to follow him? How does that look? There's different characters in the story. So let's just talk about some of these different characters, especially in this... um, Oh, Call to Obedience is the title of today's talk. Let's just talk about Herod. So Herod appeared to be successful in lots of different ways. He was a king. He was was actually a tetrarch, um, but... Mark chooses to call him a king in this verse, and he, he had lots of esteemed guests, he had money, he had power, he had fame, and he was willing to show off, hey, ask me anything, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. He had plenty to go around, and he, um, he clearly is someone who, on the outside, can look very successful. He's got the money, he's got the power, he's got the fame, he's, he can marry who he wants, even his brother's wife and he doesn't care what others think about it. Everyone knew it was wrong for him to do it. Only John had the guts to say anything to his face about it. He um, Not only, I guess, was he perhaps had all the outside looks, he doesn't sound like he's the best character, partly for marrying his wife, partly also because he um, allowed his uh, daughter-in-law now to dance seductively before him and his guests, and he clearly cared more about his appearance and how he seemed to everyone else because he knew he declares that John the Baptist, who's in prison, is a righteous man. He likes listening to him, yet he's sometimes perplexed by what he says, but enjoys listening to him. And yet here we find in that story that um, when he give, when he offers Herodias' daughter, hey, you could ask me anything, and she says, oh, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. At that point, he's not, he doesn't care about what God thinks or even what he believes to be true. He's more concerned about his appearance and what others might think. Having said to her, hey, ask me anything, he didn't want to go back on that, even though she was asking him something that he knew was wrong. John, yeah, and he, he was just, I guess he had foolish pride. And he allowed himself to be manipulated by his now new domineering wife, who later on we, you can find, you can read through Roman history. Um, Herodias is like is uh, like a character that appears in plays who basically manipulates and fools like dumb witted husbands, and so she's like a character that comes through. I mean, and to be fair, um, Herodias isn't much better, is she? Again, she can appear to be super successful on the outside. She gets the husband who's got all the power, fame, the money. She wants, well, she gets what she wants ultimately in the end, though she uses, again, manipulation, deceit, uses her daughter, she uses other people to get what she wants all of this i think you would agree is not success and perhaps not how we want our children to grow up we want them to be successful absolutely but we want we don't want them to get it by these means do we so what does success look like well let's let's just talk about the disciples to start off with so far we've We've heard about Jesus calling the disciples, getting them to follow him, to be with them. And he showed them how to bring the good news, how to share that with others. He's gone out and preached the good news with authority, seen people healed. And now he's sending them out and he's sending them on a missionary journey. And I think that um, Jesus gives some principles which we can... Get hold of today so he gives some principles to the disciples let's see if we can take I've got four of them that I think we can take hold of and the first one is this that uh, Jesus sends them out in team and often you know throughout whenever Jesus calls people he's on his mission throughout the gospel we find that he calls people hey follow me and I'll make you fishers of men or come and be with me that I can then send you out there's this dual thing about being a Christian that throughout Mark that we see Jesus is always saying, come and be with me in order that I might send you out. It's like the great commandment and the great commission. We've talked about love God with all your heart, soul, mind and spirit and love your neighbour as yourself. But also go out into the world, give the new news, baptise people in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Tell people, both together. We see that coming through over and over again and... The first thing for us to get hold of is that sometimes we can think about fishing like line fishing. Me, sitting on a boat with my fishing rod, catching my fish, one at a time. But Jesus' example is, no, no, we're going to do it net fishing. We're going to go out in team, throw the net overboard and haul in the fish. Which one's more successful? Line fishing one at a time? Net fishing that one's much more successful isn't it for fish and that's how the fishermen would have fished they weren't there with their rod like we like you know you like to sit on our lake. No, they were there hauling in nets. And so Jesus did that. Team, if you think about Team Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do things in team, created in team, give life in team. Jesus gathered a team, disciples, 12 disciples, do it in teams. And now he's saying, hey, I don't want you to go out by your own, on your own. Sometimes Christians can think that, hey, to be a Christian is just to be me and God. I don't really need the church. I don't need anyone else. And Jesus is saying, no, no, come on. We do it in team. You go together, you go two by two in this instance. We're going to go in groups, and um, and so one thing, a good principle, because we could say, are the principles to not to I don't know, not wear sandals and not take extra bread or money. I, I don't I don't think they're the things that Jesus wants us to get out of this passage. What I do think he wants us to get out is that well, he 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 knows what we need. That's important, but. He wants to encourage us. One thing is to do that into team, to do it in groups. Um, one thing that me and Catherine have done recently and do regularly is try to do things together, do it in team. So Catherine's inviting all her friends to the murder mystery evening and on our table there's going to be us and uh, someone else from our church. We're doing it together in team. There's like three of us plus their, you know, all her friends. Um, we all often get our barbecue and put it out in our front garden and then invite all the neighbours but then we'll invite another family from the church who lives nearby to come and join us with that barbecue so that There's like two Christians with all our neighbours, because we're doing it in team. And it means that it's not all on us, because we can lose faith, can't we? And we're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should say this, or ask that, or invite this. But if there's a few of us, and they're getting to know us, then hey, hey, we're doing it in team. Do it together. I wonder, what might you do? When you think about sharing your faith with your friends, or your family, or your neighbours, or your colleagues, what about doing it in team? What about inviting someone else to come along with you in that journey, to doing it together? Are you going to... It's, going to be, it's a good principle to bear in mind. Another thing that comes out is it's, it's not about one-hit wonders. And what I mean by that is that in verse 8 to 10, he, uh, Jesus says, hey, when you go to someone's house, stay there. Stay there. In fact, stay there the whole time until you leave that town completely. It's not going around cold, cold calling, going from door to door to door, And trying to have conversations with as many different people as possible. Actually, Jesus' principle is, hey, once you get a friend, when you're making a connection, stick with them, do life with them, live with them, like you know, do it together. That's like a principle for how to share the good news of the gospel, is to absorb life. They they might have stayed in one town for many, many days, and so they're doing life together and they're sharing together, and like doing meals together, do you know, seeing the kids being parented together. You know, it's like it's a good principle for us to not just to go out on the streets and stand there shouting with our Bible actually why don't we make connections and then when we're making connection, stick to that connection and you might have a few connections but like it's not one hit wonders it's not cold calling it's building relationship over time doing life together Jesus invests his life into the 12 and does it over years and then encourages us to do, do the same invest our life into others over years to spend time together not everyone is going to be interested in the message. He's, he says in verse 11 that, you know, if someone doesn't want to if someone's not interested, basically dust off the dust off the dirt off your feet as a testimony to them and walk away. The results of what happens throughout the conversations aren't our responsibility some people will choose to reject the message in fact um, we didn't read the first six verses in this chapter but if we had we would have seen that Jesus was rejected um, in the first part because a prophet can't you know uh, uh, what's he say a prophet isn't accepted in his own town and people in his own town rejected him and then you get into um, the next few verses and he's like saying hey expect rejection and when you get the rejection hey just Wipe off your feet, carry on. And then we get into John the Baptist story. And John goes and shares some important information. And he gets rejected by Herod and ends up being killed. There's like rejection, rejection, rejection. And Mark is telling us, hey, part of being a Christian is that your message might be rejected. If you're not a Christian here today, you might be one who has rejected someone in your family. Hey, you don't want to know. You don't want to listen. That's okay. That's, that's up to you. That's between you and God. But maybe... Like Barney said at the beginning, maybe God wants just to bring some clarity to your vision today. Maybe He just wants to speak to you. Maybe He's encouraging you to look again at the gospel, to look again at who this Jesus is and what He's done. Herod is actually interested in listening to what John the Baptist has to say, though it says, but he's perplexed. He's perplexed about what he says. Sometimes it's confusing, and that can be Christians can be confusing. They use lots of weird, strange words, and it's like what. But I just ask, hey, what do you mean by that? What what does that actually mean? He's the lion and the lamb? Is he these animals? What does that mean? It's good questions to ask. I'm not going to go into it now. It's good questions to ask. There are answers to some of these questions. The fourth thing, principle, is that Jesus is with you. That if you're a Christian here today, that he has given you authority to go out into the world to share the good news of Jesus, that's what it says right, right at the start in in verse six, and then it says it again in verse seven. Sorry, and then it says it again in verse twelve and thirteen that they went out and they preached a message of repentance, and so encouraged people to turn from their life, to come to Jesus, to ask for forgiveness, that He will forgive them and He will trust them, He set them free. That he would anoint them, and uh, and that he can bring healing, and uh, that we can be encouraged as people that actually, although we might face rejection, that Jesus is with us, that he's given us authority that he encourage us to go out and share the good news. And um, in the verse 13, it talks about uh, how the Christians would put oil on the sick heads and they would be healed that's just oil throughout the whole Bible is like a sign of the Holy Spirit and it's just a reminder to the Christians themselves that it's not them who do the healing it's actually God through the power of his Holy Spirit all Christians are called to do is to obey to be obedient and in verse 30, we find out that they come back and they tell, hey, this is what we've done. Jesus, check it out. And they're full of stories and they want to tell him about the amazing success that they had. And I think we could, you could like end the message there. And you could say, right, if you're a Christian here today... Here, you've got some principles. You need to go out. You need to do some net fishing, join others. You need to uh, make sure it's not cold calling, do life together. You need to make sure that, you know, you need to know that not everyone's going to be interested. You might get rejected and you go with Jesus and authority. Right, so come on, strap up your boots. Let's go. But Mark wants to stop us in our tracks. And so I want to tell you about someone else, though, who perhaps his life didn't look exactly like the disciples because it doesn't always work out like that doesn't always work out like amazing like it did for the disciples so let's just talk about John the Baptist which is our last character before we draw it all together John the Baptist he was loved by God and he loved God himself and he shared the the good news of people. He prepared the way for the Lord. He prepared the way for Jesus. He, he also preached the message of repentance. And he encouraged people to come to the Jordan River to, to help to prepare their hearts ready for Jesus to come. And he stood up for injustice. He, he was like, hey Herod, this is wrong. You shouldn't marry your brother's wife. And he got put in prison. And then he got killed, alone, beheaded, all by himself. With nobody around, whilst the disciples are off having great, great success. Oh, seeing salvation, seeing healings, seeing people set free from demon possession and impure spirits, seeing all this going on, and, and he's by himself in prison alone being killed. Right in that middle of this disciples' success, we see this another kind of success, and that is the quiet obedience of the faithful believer. We, we sang, I don't know what songs John would have sang to himself. We were singing Waymaker, uh, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. I wonder if he's, Lord, I know you're the light in the darkness. I know you're the truth. I can trust you. I know that you're with me. I know you give me authority. It's so easy for us sometimes to look at the disciples and think, oh, their success was salvation, healing, and transformed lives. But I want to put it to all of us that actually they weren't responsible for any of those. All of those things were God's responsibilities. God, is, God brings the salvation, God brings the healing, and God transforms people's lives. All the disciples really did was be obedient. It's because they're called to obedience. And that's exactly the same thing that John did. He was called to obedience, and all, that's all he did. He just obeyed. And the disciples saw Jesus save, heal, and transform. John didn't. That doesn't mean he was no less successful. He was just obedient to what God called him to do. And um, it's great, I love having kids. so good to see you, Arlo. Is it Arlo or Ezra? Ezra, it's good to see you, Ezra. So, yeah, I want to encourage us um, that it was not the disciples that saved, but Jesus did. It was not the disciples that healed, but Jesus did. It was not the disciples that transformed, but Jesus did. God brings the growth. Paul waters, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God brings the growth. We're called as Christians to follow and obey. Success for the Christian is obedience to Christ. That's it. It's not to heal, save and transform, but to love, obey and inform. And you know that intuitively because as you were calling, hey, what does a successful Christian look like? You said, hey, love God, help others, you know, serve others. You said to worship, to 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 bring light in the darkness. That's what we're called to do: is to obey, to be obedient to Christ, to go out and share. And some people will reject you, some people will throw you in prison. It's a very real risk all around the world. You know, today is persecuted Christians' Day or something. Pray for the persecuted Christians, and that, that happens. All all around. People get put in prison for their faith. They're not unsuccessful Christians. They're obedient Christians who've trusted Jesus. And we need to learn to do the same. If we want to know what success looks like, well, it's all in the Bible. Read the Bible. That'll tell you what to do, it tells you to pray, it tells you to read the Bible, it tells you to share the good news of Jesus. Help tells you to help others. It tells you to be part of a local church, part of a local community, doing things in team, joining Joining groups, you know, praying at the temple on Sunday and in home groups midweek. It us to do all these things. It encourages us to love God, to love our neighbours, to be seasoned with salt, to be light in the darkness, to be open to the Holy Spirit and all that he might do amongst us. Success is not the outcome, the results are Jesus, God's. Success is the obedience. Are you willing to take a step today, tomorrow? towards Jesus, towards following him, trusting him, being obedient to him. Ultimately, this is what we want of our children, isn't it? That, that they would grow up to be obedient to the Lord, to trust him, to live for him, to listen to him. That's, that's why we're dedicating them today. Because uh, we're saying, hey, Lord, these, ultimately these children are God's children, that he's entrusted to Will and Miriam and he's entrusted to Ed and Helen for a season. But they're God's children. And he has great plans for them. And we want to dedicate them to the Lord and say, God, would, we, we entrust them into your care. And Lord, we pray that they would grow up to be obedient to you, to follow you wherever that leads them. Because that's what successful a Christian life looks like. Amen? Let's get the band back up. I just want to pray for us. and. Um, so what we're going to do is... We're, oh, I'm, I'm pleased with myself right now because it's, like, it's 10 past 11. I, I felt like I've been talking for quite a while and I'll smash the timing today. Um, pride is not one of the things that is... <laughs> Obedience. So what we're going to do is the band are going to worship... And um, whilst they worship, we're going to invite all the parents to go and get their kids and bring them. Because this is a family event, as we dedicate the children. We'll invite the kids back in and then we'll pray. We'll dedicate them and pray. But before we do that, can you stand with me and can I pray for us? And especially if you're a Christian, I want to pray that you would be obedient to Christ in whatever he calls you to do, that you'd know that in your life. And also, if you're not a Christian, I'm just praying that you'd be open to all that Jesus might say to you in this time. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. Thank you for this day that you've made. Thank you, Lord God, that you are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the peace giver. You're the life bringer. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of kings. You're the one that has all authority in heaven and on earth. And thank you that you choose to use people like me and like those in this room to be your soul and your light in this world. Lord, we have all sorts of ideas about what it looks like to be a successful Christian, but at the heart of it all, Lord, I pray, would you help us to be obedient ones? Would you help us to be people that look to you, that listen to you and trust you? Lord, for some of us in this room, we've faced rejection, we've faced hardship, we've faced people mocking us and just being not interested Lord, I pray, would you help us not to be weighed down by those things, but actually to recognise, to to dust ourselves off, actually to recognise that all we're called to do is be obedient wherever that lands us. Lord, I pray for those of us that are having great success that are seeing life transformed, that are seeing people inquiring, want to know more about Jesus, I pray would you help us to rejoice in that, but to remember that it's you that brings the growth, it's you that brings the salvation, it's you're the one that heals, you're the one that transforms lives. Lord, we, we entrust our lives to you, and we ask, Lord God, would you have your way amongst us? Would you fill us as a church with your Holy Spirit? Would you help us, Lord, to be people that are confident, not in ourselves, but in your Gospel, in the good news of Jesus? The one who has done it all, who has made a way, that, who has forgiven us all our sins, who we can come to and know that he will forgive, he will restore, he will redeem. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made a way that we might know you, that we might know the Father, be loved by him and love him. And I, just, I pray, Lord God, as we worship you now, that you'd receive all the praise and adoration. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.